0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Sports, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the sports status quo with technology that changes how the games are played, managed, and enjoyed. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are thrilled, excited, beyond to have this new series. We have dreamed about a series about sports technology for all of the years I've been producing and hosting Game Changers Radio. Happy to talk to you today. And by the way, the official title of this series is Game Changing Technology in Sports. A lot of keywords in there. We're always about game changers, but tech in sports, it's an exciting field. It's loaded with energy. And before we start the show in our normal, Fashion. I'm going to get the sponsor. He's one of our panelists today, Ryan Summers at SAP. Ryan, join me for a minute. Why don't you just give us a little overview about what this full year series is going to bring to our listeners all over the world? And I know they're excited. Go ahead, Ryan, and welcome.
2: Sure, Bonnie. Thanks. And hey, everyone. Um, you know, this is just such a powerful channel with game changing technology. And the thing that's really cool about it, we all know that technology is changing the space in just about any area you can think of, from HR. IOT, you know, the traditional business is completely turned upside down. And to me, one of the coolest areas, and hopefully for a lot of the listeners out there too, is in sports. You know, I mean, think about it. That's where, that's where so many passions lie. And if we think about how the game has just completely changed over the last, not only a couple hundred years, but even the last few, uh, it's, it's just continuing to reinvent itself. So we've got a really cool season lined up with lots of different stories um, focusing on how we're changing the game for players for coaches for you as fans and also for uh, the business side where the owners are being able to manage their businesses better so it's going to be really cool can't wait to get started
1: Thank you, Ryan. That's wonderful. And You know, I have not been much of a sports fan over the years, but I think I'm going to be changing my game this year with this series. Really, really happy to have you here. So now I'm going to do the normal introduction. I'm going to talk about the buzz. I have a great quote from Vince Lombardi, Vincent Thomas Lombardi, 1913 and 1970, American football player, coach, executive in the NFL, head coach of the Green Bay Packers in the 60s, and he is one of the big names in sports, enshrined in the pro football Hall of Fame in 1971, a year after he passed away, and he's considered one of the greatest coaches and leaders in the history of American sport. And what I love about that bio is that it didn't just say coaches, it said leaders, and leaders to me says business, it says unification, it says tribe, it says strength, it says getting a team together. So here is the quote I have selected from Vince Lombardi to kick off this new series. Winning isn't everything but wanting to win is. And I think that's a great way to level set for our series. So, officially... Welcome to our new series about SAP's sponsorship-specific sports stories, and we will tell you more about what that means during the course of this episode from the NHL, the NBA, Extreme Sailing. We actually did a show with the Extreme Sailing team about three years ago on Coffee Break with Game Changers. WTA, we did a show about World Tennis Association and Women's Tennis a few years ago, and now we can do more. We're going to begin today. With a brief history of sports, Ryan Summers a few minutes ago mentioned a little bit about hundreds of years ago. Well, We are going to talk a little bit about wrestling in ancient Mesopotamia. They didn't have virtual reality. They didn't have instant replay. They sure didn't have robotics, but they might have been smart about their data. However, they scrolled it on a wall or or on a rock and shared it with, hey, did you see my guy did better than your guy? Or maybe it was just the cheering from the fans. But today, we have so many tech advances in sports technology. And what does it mean? It impacts decision-making, as Ryan mentioned, on the part of the owners, about how we as fans consume the sports. Are we on a mobile device? Are we in a stadium or or watching on a field? Where are we? How do we get this information? How do we get excited? We want to have all the stats at our fingertips. Well, we can today. And player performance, everything in all of these games is up because of technology. But... There's always a dark or a downside. Is there a downside to the sports technology that we're seeing today? We're going to cover that. Let me tell you who my three panelists are. We're just so happy to have this series starting. Nick Smith is with us. We'll talk to him in a moment. He's the Global VP of Product Marketing for Analytics at SAP, and there's a keyword in his title, analytics. That's part of what we're talking about with sports technology. Fred Sampson is joining us. He's a VP of Alliances at SAP. Another keyword, Alliances, that's how we work with different... Teams and Ryan Summers, I mentioned, and you already heard from him. He is very—he's. I don't think who, I don't know who's more excited, Ryan, you or me. He's the director, digital content lead, global sponsorships at SAP. So thank you, Ryan, for putting together this wonderful panel. And we're calling this episode this debut score. The New World of Technology for Sports. And I have to do a shout-out to a young lady who is listening. Natasha Shook is on board. She's listening to the show, and she has helped Ryan put this all together. So thank you to Natasha. So let's get started. Let's see what the opening quotes are. This is our standard Game Changers format. Nick Smith has sent us a quote from Michael Jordan. I will give you a little bio just because there might be somebody living under a rock for the past couple of decades. Who doesn't know? Michael Jeffrey Jordan, born February 17th. He's got a birthday coming up, 1963, known by his initials MJ, American former professional basketball player, 15 seasons with the NBA for the Chicago Bulls and the Washington Wizards, and his biography on the official NBA website says, by acclamation, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. We'll just leave it at that. Here's the quote, everybody. Listen up. Listen up. You might want to write this down. This a lot. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. That's the quote from Michael Jordan. Nick Smith... You're up first. How are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on. Delighted to have you. I love the quote from Michael Jordan. We're talking about sports technology and my opening quote from Vince Lombardi seems a little bit close to that. Winning isn't everything, but wanting to win is. So tell us how you picked the Jordan quote, please.
3: Well, you, you know, this is, those of you guys that know me, this is my, this is my jam. This is my topic and, and, uh, when you asked me to be on the show, I, I couldn't go with anything but a Michael Jordan quote. So, um, you know, this, this one always, I, I grew up playing, playing sports, grew up playing basketball. And this one always rings home and rings true to me, especially there's so many parallels between sports and business. And if you're not failing, you're not succeeding. And I think that's the, the, one of the epitomes of sports and, and really the epitome in business and getting that competitive edge to get that competitive advantage.
1: Thank you very much. Interesting. We're going to be talking about business. How many sports fans, Nick, do you think really think about what are the owners, well, unless they raise the ticket prices, but what are the owners doing and what's the business side and who's negotiating behind as far as players' salaries or as far as how much they invest in their technology infrastructure? Do you think the fans are really concerned with that? Now, we're going to bring that to light for them on the series, but how much do you think the fans are really thinking about the business side of sports versus the enjoyment well. side? I think there's, you know,
3: there's a lot of people that are out, are out there that are in the business world that are seeing and engaging with sports. Fair enough. Um, there are so many people that, uh, you know, just love their their team, whether it's their city, their favorite player. And, you know, the parallel between the engagement, the engagement with a fan and a fan experience and how that fan uh, perceives and understands uh, the brand and, and really uh, gets behind and roots for the team. Um, I, I think that that's the essence uh, of it. and it can, it's the same as in the consumer world, uh, in the business world, uh, where these organizations are building uh, an experience around their brands that that gives them um, the reach and the the capacity to to connect with more and more people and have more people really champion and be champions of uh, what it is that they they do on the court, on the field, uh, on the pitch, all of those.
1: Thank you very much, Nick. Pleasure to have you on to get to know you. And we will be getting to know a little bit more about you in just a few minutes. So sit tight and let's move around the table to Fred Sampson, VP of Alliances at SAP. Fred has sent us a quote. I love the quote. It's from somebody I've never heard of. The author is Carlson Gracie, G-R-A-C-I-E, 1932 to 2006, he was a practitioner of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a member of the Gracie family. He was the eldest son of Carlos Gracie and nephew to Helio Gracie, founder of the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. That's all I know about him. Listen to this quote, everyone. This is, I think, a lesson for life off the sports field, on the sports field. Always enter like a kitten and leave like a lion but never enter like a lion and leave like a kitten always be humble. Fred Sampson, how are you today?
4: Bonnie, good morning. You know, just like Nick and and, and Ryan, you know, we're so passionate about this. So thank you for having us. We're so happy to be here.
1: Well, we're delighted. I love this quote. This Fred, this seems like words to live by to me. I, I need to crochet this on a pillow or paint it on the side of my wall of my office or something. Let me read it again. It's just an important quote. Always enter like a kitten and leave like a lion, but never enter like a lion and leave like a kitten. Always be humble. So you've got to relate this to sports for me, Fred. i got to know.
4: You know, first, I'm, I'm really impressed. You actually pronounce all these names. And jujitsu properly. So, congrats, Bonnie. That was awesome. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a recipe for winning. And winning at sports and winning at life is exactly the same thing. You know, winning with customers, winning with projects. And it's a principle that we apply whenever we work with customers or, or companies to say, especially when you work with customers, right? You know, we have a lot of big brands and they come in really, really strong, thinking they've got all the answers, that they know what to do. And they get humbled. You know, they get humbled because customers will say something different. And so, being able to sort of come in softly, listen, Build the plan and then triumphantly deliver something is, is really a recipe for success. So, whether you're fighting in the ring, whether you're fighting in business, or whether you just want to get through life, you know, I just, I just find that just very inspiring.
1: Very interesting. And, and does this go for teams that are, let's say, Coming up through the ranks, Fred, a team that's trying to – maybe not a new team, but a team that hasn't done so well as far as not entering like a lion. Don't you need to show that kind of strength on the court or on the field or on the, on the water? Don't you need to come in like a lion? Or, or on the
4: track, right, Bonnie? And, you know, it depends on the – we think about sports teams, but we can also think about race teams and, and a bunch of other – types of companies no absolutely and and companies go through and teams go through cycles you know cycles when they're on top and there's cycles when they're on the bottom and they have to be more humble to get back to the top and so we see this everywhere it's a great pattern but also even those winning teams those that that have the winning way you know that applies to teams to coaches to ceos of companies even when they're at their most you know successful they're still fundamentally humble so it's it's a it's a really good lesson
1: I like that. I like, I like that. I like to always be humble. I have a story to tell you off air about the word humble. We won't do it on the radio. It's fine. Thank you very much, Fred. Looking forward to getting to know you better. Ryan Summers, the energy of your panelists is off the charts. This is great. So Ryan Summers has sent us a quote from Thomas Edison. Imagine that. We're talking about sports tech, and we're going back to Thomas Alva Edison, 1847-1931. American inventor and businessman described as a America's greatest inventor. Oh my goodness, he invented, he developed uh, motion picture devices, sound recording, electric power generation, mass communication, the phonograph, does anybody remember that? It's the record player, we have CDs now, we don't do that anymore, we have streaming. Uh, He he invented the practical electrical light bulb, he had a mass production and teamwork process that he invented, and the first industrial research laboratory. So here is the quote Ryan Summers has picked for from Thomas Alva Edison. Quote, I have not failed. I've just found ten thousand ways that won't work. Ryan, I'm adoring this quote. How are you? Again, how are you? I'm great, Bonnie, thanks. <laughs> I
0: love
2: this quote because it just shows, you know, his passion for his work, right? He's you know, I, I think it's it's key to note that to really change the world and, and do something amazing, you can't just be smart, but you also have to have that grinding passion to fight and, you know, suffer setbacks and learn from them and move on. And, and this to me is, it's almost like the opposite of insanity. You know, if he tried the same thing 10,000 times and expected it to work, he'd be crazy. So this is kind of the antithesis of that. He learned from each one. And then um, at the end of the day, you know, he, he might have lost 10,000 battles, but on that next try, he won the war. He invented the light bulb. And, and to your point about some of the innovations that he created that are kind of lost in time, But they set the path for everything that happened after him, from the CDs to the DVDs, etc. So so this was kind of a a, a really good start for um, innovation, and I thought it was fitting for the show.
1: It's very fitting, and it reminds me of the Michael Jordan quote from Nick Smith where he said, I failed over and over and over again, and that is why I succeeded. That's really kind of the same thing. I haven't failed. I just found a heck of a lot of ways it won't work. Thank you, Ryan. And let's go back around the table to Nick. This is the part of the show where I ask each of you a couple of questions, not too personal, but up close and personal. I know I prepared you all well, so don't be frightened. Nick Smith, three questions. Where in the world are you today? Number two if you're drinking something interesting, we'd love to know. Otherwise, what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world that powers you to be who you are? And number three, tell us a little bit about your role in your job. Go ahead, Nick. Sure.
3: Well, I am talking to you today from the beautiful offices at SAP Vancouver, uh, born and raised in Vancouver. And uh, I am sipping on a a Bengal-spiced, tea i'm 28 days into kicking my coffee habit for 2019 and going with uh, a tea so if you're any tea drinkers out there i recommend checking out the bengal spice but i have to say on a on the drink topic i do every morning make a delicious and healthy smoothie with all sorts of veggies and fruit uh that's probably my drink of choice and uh a little bit abo- uh, more about me, uh, I look after product marketing for the analytics portfolio at SAP. Uh, I've been in a product marketing, product management role for, uh, oh, quite a, a while now, uh, spanning kind of a career of about uh, 20 years in technology. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've been, always been very close to analytics. Uh, actually started at a startup uh, analytic uh, firm that uh, m- made... Uh, reporting software, and then kind of uh, stuck around the analytics uh, sphere. And and now Mm -hmm. uh, our team leads up a new platform, all based in the cloud, uh, for analytics. It's called SAP Analytics Cloud. Hmm.
1: That makes sense. Thank you very much. Glad to have that word analytics in there. A very important part of what we're talking about today, Nick. Pleasure to get to know you. Fred Sampson, you're sitting next to Nick. You're up next. Where in the world are you today? Calling in from where? What's your favorite drink that powers you? And tell us a little bit about your role with Alliances.
4: Sounds good, Bonnie. I'm talking to you this morning from a very rainy San Francisco, California, and we need it. You know, it's been that, it's been a dry season, so when oh, it rains, yeah. you can collect Genuinely happy, and that's a good thing. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite drink, but I'm drinking a homemade kombucha this morning that my neighbor dropped on last week, and it's surprisingly good. Um, I don't know if it's surprisingly healthy, but it's definitely, definitely tasty. Uh, and so I'm trying that, again, you know, with Nick here, trying to kick the coffee habit a little bit and try different, different drinks in the morning, different ways to, to keep going. And um, you know, my job at SAP is awesome. I get to try stuff with some great companies mm. in the world, and that usually starts with a problem. Sometimes it's an you know unsolvable problem, or but we we try, and so it can include things like saying, hey, how can we use machine learning to figure out what drives season ticket holders, for example? You know, that's something that a lot of companies want to know, or how can we work on athlete performance using analytics? Um, I even had a chance to work with an F1 team a couple of years ago to try to figure out like new ways that they could connect to their fans. And a lot of that is experimental. A lot of that relies on new technology, sometimes unproven technology. But it's always exciting to work with some companies that are forward-thinking, that are risk-takers. And some of these projects deliver great results, and some of them don't. But we always learn, and we always go on to the next one
1: very well put thank you very much that's that keep trying that's that energy that's we're going to keep going until we find what works i like that thank you very much and we're going to ryan summers
4: we're gonna have fun yep i was gonna say bonnie and we're gonna learn along the way, and we're gonna have a lot of fun doing it as
1: well thank you very much i wanted you to finish your sentence i didn't mean to interrupt you ryan summers you're up next where art thou what are you drinking and what do you do
2: all right, so I am in the lovely Newtown Square, which is a suburb of Philadelphia. Um, and I took a different angle on what I'm drinking right now. I'd like to be drinking a glass of wine right now, uh, preferably from Willamette Valley in Oregon. Um, fun fact about that, it's actually on the same 45th parallel as Bordeaux, France, and also the Piedmont region in Italy. Really? So if you ever decide to pick a vacation spot by throwing a dart at your map, then. Um, Maybe you aim exactly between the equator and the North Pole, and you should be good able to find some good wine.
1: <laughs> That's um, fascinating. Go ahead, continue. I have a story yeah, to share with so you, just, but go ahead. Tell, me, tell me the rest. And,
2: yeah. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I'm at SAP as well. I've been here for about 12 years. Currently, I'm focused on the global sponsorship partners that we have, and we're going to learn a lot more about them over the course of this series um, just a quick, you know, a quick note. We are definitely more than just a sponsorship in, tr- in the traditional sense. It's not going to be logos and white tablecloth banners. There's actually some really cool technology stories that I'm excited to share with you guys. Um, yeah, so that, so that's the deal. I run all the digital content strategies, anything from our website to social media, uh, this podcast, for example, and some of the videos that we're doing with our partners and Uh, You touched on a few of them, but we've got some NHL stories, NBA, if we've got soccer fans, we work closely with Manchester City, and the list goes on and on, so we're excited
1: to tell them. Thank you very much. We're excited to have you. I have a quick uh, wine story to tell you, Ryan. Uh, a, a, a girl walked into a bar. That was me. Bar was called Whiskey. It's in uh, almost downtown Raleigh. I'm in Raleigh-Durham area now. Moved here from New York about a year and a half ago. And uh, was looking for a, a club that was having, actually having a private event, and I didn't know it. So I walked into this restaurant called Whiskey, sat at the bar, was with a friend, and he said, Give this lady a Riesling. Bartender pours me a glass as take a taste. I did. It was delicious. It was divine. It was wonderful. I liked it so much I said to the bartender, Can you show me the bottle? She pulls out a bottle that says Willamette Valley on it. Ryan, I lived in Eugene, Hi. Oregon for ten years. Willamette Valley, Eugene, Oregon, I almost fell off the barstool. I said, seriously, you bring me a wine from the Willamette Valley, and I'm sitting here in Raleigh, North Carolina. It was just a little bit of home, you know. It was just a lovely, lovely – I just couldn't have imagined it being any better, and the wine was delicious. So that's my Willamette okay. Valley wine story, and I'm thankful that you brought that up. But I digress. They it's only let me have
2: – yes. I- I was going to ask you what's in your cup. I'm not sure if anyone ever does, but I think now we all know. So that's perfect.
1: No, actually, actually, I'm about to tell you. I say this on all of my shows for the past eight years. I'm not allowed to go anywhere near caffeine or anything stronger than that on radio show days. And I think you all figured out why already. So I'm only allowed, quote, unquote, to have water. So I am the water drinker on Game Changers Radio. And I brought my cool, clear mugs with me from New York. And I have a straw that's white with a little red stripe. It's probably somebody's team color. I don't know who. And it's uh, from the uh, the door dispenser in my new Samsung refrigerator. We won't do any more advertising than that. So all I have is water, but it's keeping my whistle wet and keeping me refreshed and ready to talk to the review. We're going to take a really quick break. We've covered an awful lot so far. This is our brand new series, Game Changing Technology in Sports Radio. You can say, oh, I love technology. I want to listen. You could say, wow, sports and technology in the same sentence. Got to hear that, and that's what we're going to be talking about we'll come back and cover a little bit about the history of sports we do have to talk about wrestling in mesopotamia so somebody on my panel is going to do that but we're going to open up with some thoughts from nick smith at sap when we come back so here's what i always say and i always mean it don't even think of touching that mouse that app that dial you don't want to go anywhere this is too good to miss we'll be right back erin out
0: changing the game in sports brings you stories about how technology is the new mvp like the floating sensors on buoys to provide wind and tidal info for sailors and in-game apps for coaches to make decisions in an instant and once-in-a-lifetime fan experiences that amaze on site and on mobile devices technology is redefining how sports are watched played and managed We'll dive into it all from the field of play to the back offices to learn what's new and what's next in the world of game-changing technology and sports. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game-Changing Technology and Sports, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game in sports.
1: Absolutely. This is Game Changing Technology and Sports, proper name for the series. Thrilled to be here. We have Nick Smith, Fred Sampson, and Ryan Summers with us. And I promised in the intro we'd talk a little bit about ancient wrestling and ancient Mesopotamia. We're going to go out of order on the panel for just a moment. Ryan Summers, you want to just give us a little hint as to why you put that in, what we're going to talk about today? It's all yours. Go ahead.
2: Sure thing. I thought it made sense to, uh, when we think about how the sports have evolved. To just quickly touch on how they started, right? And if you if you go back to 3,000 BC, there's scripture showing that wrestling for the first time was used as a sport instead of you know self-defense. Um, but it just kind of it just kind of shows how how far we've come since then. I think the first soccer ball was actually a human head, and then it evolved into a pig's bladder wrapped in leather. Uh, we've all seen the wooden golf clubs, kind of go out and be replaced with titanium or carbon fiber uh, Mm -hmm. tennis rackets as well. The shot clock in basketball changed things up dramatically, and it almost added another 30 points per game to the sport. Uh, One of the things that I thought was really fascinating is it's a TEDx video by David Epstein, and he's Mm -hmm. debating whether humans are really getting bigger, faster, and stronger, or if it's the evolution of the sports through these really cool innovations. And two of the references he makes really quickly the first one is in track, and he compares you know, the, the, the record holder from the 1950s and the time that he ran and how much faster he was than everyone else to, to current day, and what he found was the invention of rubber tracks and starting mm-hmm. blocks to push off from have led to that massive increase in speed compared to 50 years ago. But then he, he takes you through this really cool algorithm, you've you got to check it out, and He's able to deduct all those advantages and kind of reevaluate how the record holders today compared to how they were back then, and it's almost exactly the same. So instead of the way that we're learning more and we're, we're training our bodies in completely different ways and we've learned so much about health and nutrition, in fact, the biggest change that we've come through all those past you know, 60, 70 years has been through these simple technologies. You know, so it's really fascinating.
1: Thank you very much. That's a good setup for us to go into the word technology. I'm looking at Nick Smith's notes here. And, Nick, we're going to go into our formal roundtable now, and let's talk about the impact on emerging tech. I think our listeners would love to know about things like AI, machine learning, IoT, big data analytics. How, how is this happening in sports today? So why don't you take us, take about two minutes, Nick, and then we'll go around the table and have Fred chime sure. in, and we'll get Ryan as well. Yeah. Go ahead.
3: And it's interesting, you look at the history of sports, even not, not necessarily in the last 100 years, but in the last, you know, even 20, 30 years, and parallels between the history and business with technology. You know, we've kind of moved from this world of, of static and one-dimensional accessing information, accessing business data in a way, and in sports, getting any kind of useful information to get a competitive advantage. To a much more dynamic world in the last, well, I'd say 10 years, where we're able to access information quickly on the fly, now to a, a world that has changed, where it's autonomous. The, the data, the information that we get is delivered to us, and it's through machine learning and mm-hmm. AI, all of the hot buzzwords that you're hearing out there in the technology world. And sports is not oblivious to this, it's intertwined, and the need To gain a competitive advantage, teams and players need to be taking advantage. And that's why you see this emergence of new technology in so many sports, whether it's real-time statistics, whether it's things like video analysis. Uh, Video analysis, uh, not only from a player standpoint, but from a fan standpoint, and even flying drones into stadiums so that you can get a better vantage point of what's actually happening on the field. You know, you think about video analysis for a second – Uh, When you see a replay, you see nowadays about five or six, sometimes even ten different angles of that replay. So, that you know, there's literally cameras everywhere photographing everything. Uh, There's also sensors on everything as well. So all of the athletes, all the teams, even the mascot is wearing some sort of a sensor that can track performance. Um, You know, and and Fred has done a lot of this with things like uh, F1 racing and telemetry in cars. It becomes so critical to leverage this technology to gain that edge and know and and the edge can be literally a, na- a nanoseconds of mm-hmm. uh, of an advantage.
1: very interesting. yes, the, the the split of that time frame, a second, a nanosecond, technically, Splitting splitting hairs, basically, on what used to be just the clock. He's a minute late. He's 15 seconds late. Now we're we're getting it down to micro amounts of time, and technology is able to detect that, but the people who are in these sports have to be aware that that could make the difference. Let's get Fred Sampson in here. Fred, love to have your thoughts on what Nick just shared.
4: Yeah, I'd love the analogy. Brought up, you know, I, I, we heard this year on a Formula One broadcast at some point a team's telemetry went down and they said, We are blind, you know, and then literally teams are so addicted to it that when it goes down, when it's not available anymore, you now they don't really necessarily have procedures to deal with that. But what we're also seeing is competitiveness in the world of technology because the cost mm-hmm. and the availability of things like AI. You know, you can go to video analysis vendors today and get video processed for very low cost with very easy tools. And so it's almost this, uh, it's almost to say who, who, the people that are not using it are those that are going to lose out because it's just so prevalent and it's absolutely everywhere. You know, we used to talk with football teams about reviewing, you know, 20 or 30 plays ahead of a game. And then we went to every play from every player from the game before. And then we went to every play for every player for every game he's ever played in this situation. Mm. And so the amount of information that we can process is absolutely, um, is, is absolutely unimaginable. And just as, as a Formula One team will spend hours and hours and late nights, you know, in the wind tunnel to get a quarter of a second. I think now we're starting to see all teams across all sports really just adopt this methodology to consume as much information as possible to try to find that small advantage, right? That millisecond or that second or that one play that's going to make them win because it's so competitive and technology is so prevalent.
1: Very, very much. Thank you. Ryan Summers, you've got to join us. What do you think? I'll stay on
2: racing, but I'll switch from cars to horses. And a really okay. cool thing that we're doing with one of our with one of our horse, horse racers is we have sensors on the actual horse itself, right? And when she goes back and analyzes her race, she can see how the horse's heartbeat and energy output is affecting how hard she wants to push him or, or lean off. And, and she can decide, oh, you know what, on that third jump, he had a, a low rate. I could have actually pushed him a little faster and, and saved some time. Or I could see that right around the halfway point, he hits his second gear, and I've got to give him a second to get ready. So there's just endless amounts of data that you can use to, to track these things. It's interesting, I was at NHL All-Star game last week and I was talking with Doug Murray, a, a former All-Star defenseman, and we were, we were talking about this SAP, um, the SAP NHL coaching app that just launched, which basically mm-hmm. allows coaches to look on the bench as the game's being played and learn about their players. So, for example, wow. if you have someone who's coming back from injury and you really need to monitor his time, they can track all that for you. And we were debating around... You know how powerful is this data? Is it more important than that gut feeling? Or you know, is there some combination? And you know, there's always going to be some naysayers right away. Um, there's always going to be the diehards that believe that you know, the technology is the way to go. And to Fred's point, you know, I think that right now when people dive in first, they get that competitive advantage. But soon enough, it's just going to be the status quo as everyone eventually adapts.
1: Thank you very much. I'm going to circle back to Nick. Anything you want to say about what your colleagues on the panel added to your topic before I move on, Nick?
3: Well, I think there, there's such a uh, an interesting way for the tech to not only help with the players and the teams or the cars or the sport <clears throat> and the equipment of the sport, but it also spans to the fan and that fan experience and how fans can consume, enjoy, and engage with the game in more interesting ways. And, you know, we do a lot of this work with, with um, organizations like the NBA and the NHL, even teams like the 49ers, where we're helping serve up better and more engaging fan experiences through statistics, through video analysis. And really, you know, to settle those age-old debates that fans have. Who was the really the best player? Who mm-hmm. was, you know, who made the most, three-pointers, who, uh, you know, if we look over the history of the game, uh, it really was the best. And you take a sport like baseball, I mean, so statistically rich, uh, and really a, a, a statistics game when it comes down to it. Uh, every play in the game comes down to a, a statistic. Um, and there's an, interesting, uh, there's an interesting parallel here. You know, as we bring more technology in, is it making the game more interesting to watch? Uh, If we know the outcome already, why watch the game?
1: Yeah. Good question. Very, very good question. I remember years ago, my dad loved to watch football on TV. He's been gone about 20 years now, but he had a heart problem, and he had to go out of the room and take a nitroglycerin to calm his heart down so he could watch the game. He was so excited, and this predates most of the technology we're talking about. I just remember that once in a while when I see football. I know we're getting ready for Super Bowl here. Let's move around the table. Fred Sampson, you have a comment here about fans of brands, businesses and brands are trying to connect with their fans in completely new ways. You say we see a lot of the same patterns across consumer brands, sports brands, even business brands. So, I don't normally ask questions Fred, but I'd love to have you relate this to when we talk about a sports team, what represents the brand? Is it the logo? Is it the players on the team? Is it the music they play? Is it what their website looks like? How do we how is a brand represented in sports? I hope you don't mind my asking the question, but I want to focus on Sports brands, what does it mean?
4: Absolutely, but before I answer that, Bonnie, you made me laugh with the comment about your dad. I have a friend of (laughs) mine who has to take off his Apple Watch before every Patriots game because he keeps getting, you know... Uh, irregular heartbeat alert. So <laughs> same that, that's thing. first effect of that technology.
1: <laughs> Sa- exact same thing. My dad didn't have an Apple Watch. but he would say to my mom, Ruth, I got to leave the room for a few minutes. This is just too exciting for my heart. So, you know, my, uh, uh, Fred, my favorite French phrase, I, I use it way too often, is plus ça change, plus LMM shows. même The more things change, the more they stay the same. More you just same. proved. That perfectly. So now, talk to me. What is a sports brand? What does it mean?
4: So when we when we talk to teams, it's everything that has to do with how somebody feels about the team, including the logos, the players, the interaction. And and one thing, Bonnie, that I think that that we could add to the description you've already given is also a sense of ownership, right? There's a sense of community around a specific brand, and it's also it's not just something that happens during games. It's something that happens all the time, year-round. And what we're seeing with both businesses and teams is the desire to have that engagement be all the time, before the game, during the games or the event, you know, during the off-season, and to, to just continuously cultivate that culture so that people feel a sense of ownership and, and even to some extent a sense of family uh, mm-hmm. that they're a part of and, and, and really drive a dialogue, you know, that, that the brand evolves for the fans, the fans evolve with the brand, and, and, and you know, companies... Are, in sports and in business, fashion companies and other lifestyle companies understand this extremely well as well, that these are lifelong relationships.
1: Very interesting. Is there a tribal sense to this, Fred? Is there a sense of, I'm part of the, I'm a follower of NHL football and I love Vince Lombardi or I'm NBA, I hope we get my sports teams right, I love Michael Jordan, And, and a sense that family goes to the bigger thing of tribe. Do you think that's part of the branding?
4: A hundred percent. You know, we see this in the Olympics on a national level, right? We see this on a, on a more of a local level with local sports teams or your hometown team. You know, people say we're winning. You know, the emotion, the ups and the downs as well are shared by both the teams, the players and the fans. Um, And it's through those ups and downs that relationships and bonds are built. And that's why those brands are so strong.
1: Thank you very much. Let's move around the table. Ryan Summers, I know you have a lot to say about sports brands. Agree or disagree with Fred and/or with me? Go ahead.
2: No, absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing how powerful sports are to humans, right? I mean, you see people shaving their heads; they're getting tattoos of their favorite sports team. Family parties. I think I think it's something that we're all very passionate about. Uh, I know as a father, the, the day that my my young little boys started rooting for the Eagles for me was, you know, perhaps one of the greatest days ever <laughs> when we all got to enjoy the Super Bowl as a family. And it's interesting because my, my kids, who are, you know, 10, 7, and 5 at the time, say to me, Oh, Dad, this is easy. They, you know, they're good all the time, but they don't know the hardships of the last 30 years of my life suffering all the losses. And, you know, <laughs> when you think about it, it's, it's just a hobby, but it's not, you know, it's something that I've dedicated so much time into being a part of and rooting for and and suffering from the downs but enjoying the ups even more because of the suffering that went through those losses it it really is you know absolutely tribal and and something that everyone can bond together through
1: I have to give you a quick note here. Uh, NBCsports.com has a bulletin here. I don't know when this was. I'm assuming it's recently. Uh, William Refrigerator Perry, who was a fan favorite during his time in Chicago, is offering off auctioning off his 1985 Super Bowl ring. For Bears fans. I just, I saw it when I Googled fan activities. Uh, there's uh, something on AOL, the 10 most attended Super Bowls of all time on AOL News. That's uh, from a year ago. Minnesota fans hosting Super Bowl will kill Eagles fans with kindness. Talk about tribal. This is just a quick Google on Super Bowl fans. That's all I did. Um, it's it's everywhere. Technology is everywhere. The tribal idea, the family idea, the excitement, the joining together. And I think it supersedes everything else we're dealing with in our crazy world today. We'll leave that one alone. Let's circle around the table back to Nick Smith. Nick, what do you think about fan brands? Thoughts?
3: Well, you know, it's it's really interesting. I have an interesting story. There's been a lot written about the San Francisco Forty ers football club and uh, the way that they have uh, deal with the fan experience. And you know, sort of previously, they would take a look at each game. You know, and typically in an NFL schedule, the games games played on Sundays. Uh, and it's a week in between games. And so the, the team and the organization would have a week to sort of digest and make adjustments to the fan experience of the fans that come to the stadium each week. But now they, have, they literally have uh, a command center. They've turned one of their executive suites into a command center where they have a data feed and a real-time uh, dashboard that gives them all this information from sensors going on around the stadium. Mm-hmm. And they're able to change the the experience for the fans on the fly if there's a lineup in a in the parking area if there's uncleanly washrooms and they actually have sensors throughout the stadium so fans can uh submit how are they are they having a good time you know what's their level of engagement um and and monitor that as the game's going on so just you know thinking of the the fan experience in in this in this topic of technology there is this new way that teams can engage with the fan in in this real time uh, sort of sense, where they can change things and adjust things to hopefully ultimately improve that experience.
1: Very very interesting, Fred. I'm going back to you around the table. You want to wrap this one up for me? Anything you'd like to add?
4: Yeah, two quick things. That was a good example from Nick. And you know, yeah. not, not only did they the, they do that, but they have the developers in the room. And when we visited them, I said, why are the developers here? And they're like, Fred, we only have eight home games every year. If we want to make a difference, if we want to look at this data differently, we have to do it right now. And so their ability to not just monitor stuff in real time, but change what they monitor in real time is, is just tremendously amazing. And just to, to wrap it up, you know, that the technology has to be the scaffolding that, that the brand experience will be built on, right? That the tribalism, the, the, the emotions will always be there. But the technology provides a scaffolding for that to grow. And so that's the fabric that we uh, that we see a lot of companies invest in.
1: Thank you very much. I'm, I'm moving on to some notes here from Ryan. We're going to take a little bit of a, a turn in a different direction here. I want to talk specifically about uh, the human side and the tech side. Ryan, I'm looking at your last set of notes you sent me, using tech to call the shots, and you say, referees are human. And this was perhaps never more evident than during the NFL championship a few weeks ago. Some argue that instant replays are anything but instant, but they'll get better. Before instant replay, fans never had the clarity to see when a referee clearly blew a call. Now there's clarity, but it's slower. Can you unravel or unpack this for us? Uh, Is this making fans frustrated or happy? What's your... your high high level overview of of the impact of this human versus tech or maybe human and tech ryan
2: I think it's really interesting because it works great in some sports and in other sports there 's a lot of challenges and I think a lot of that comes into the the human aspect of it and you know you know when i when I thought about this bullet it 's you know coming right after that really uh powerful and emotional saints game where. Uh, a referee clearly missed a call that had a big-time effect on the Saints losing mm-hmm. the game, and but we see we see tremendous you know success in tennis where you know it, it's more cut and dry, it's more black and white. The ball hit the line or it didn't. Yep. So I think that this is this is so popular and uh, you know glorified right now because. Uh, we as fans have complete access to everything that they're seeing. Years ago, yes. as you mentioned, the call was the call, and you didn't have the replay to see it. But now there's that clarity. So because the rules are a little bit vague, I think I think we even hear announcers struggling to fully describe yeah. what a catch is and what it isn't. It's that human decision-making function that's really slowed the game down. So when we say instant replay, it, it certainly is an instant, at least in the NFL. Hopefully we'll get there one day, but... As of right now, it's a struggle. So
1: It is. And, and, it. and, Ryan, the human side came out. I'm thinking of one of the Williams sisters uh, challenging a referee at the U.S. Open, I think, a year ago. And the question was, why did you call this for me versus not a male player? There was a big to-do. And the human side, the player side, comes out when either the visuals of the referee or some kind of instant replay, if you will, comes into play and they say, wait a minute, I don't agree with that. I don't think it's fair. So the players get to be very human. Do you think all this technology is making players less human, Ryan? Let's take a bigger view of this. What do you think? And I'll go around the table on this one. Do you think that players are saying, oh, I've got a sensor in my boots. The ball has a sensor. The fans are seeing instant this and statistics that. What am I? Am I a robot? Am I a human being? Do you think this is impacting the player mentality or attitude, Ryan?
2: Absolutely. And, and ah. taking that one a, a bit further than, than just instant replay, but a lot of these sensors are really affecting how they're training as well. Um, but the ability yeah. to translate that data has been key. We've talked to a lot of coaches, and, and they're looking at you know, the game in real time And now it gives them the evidence or the proof, if you will, when they have those discussions in between a match or, you know, at halftime of a game, whatever it might be, where when previously there might be an argument between the player and the coach uh, and a disagreement, now they're armed with all of this data and they can say, no, listen, here it is. It's right here. You really need to start listening and and thinking about changing your course of action because the way that you're doing it now isn't working. So it, it adds that definitive kind of this is the way, and uh, from what we've been told from a lot of different coaches, it's really kind of transitioned and eased up those those challenging discussions when when you know the moment is hot and tempers are heated. Um, so in that way, it, it's absolutely providing a lot of that extra benefit.
1: Thank you very much. I think that was a provocative question, I hope, that I asked. Let's circle around. Nick Smith, where do you sit or stand on the idea of what is tech doing to the players' mental preparedness, to their attitude during the game, to how visible they feel they are to fans and coaches and commentators and team owners through all of this technology they're part of? What do you think?
3: Oh, well, isn't just don't the refs just they get the worst of it. You know, all of this tech, all of these video angles, and uh, and the speed, the speed of the game. I mean, I, I feel for the refs sometimes. I was watching a Warriors game the other day, Kevin Durant, like, just walking, blatantly walking out of bounds. But, uh, you know, they, they called it for the Warriors. It was, just, You know, there's so many examples every day. I think it gives us all something to talk about. And, and how do you ever settle this debate? You know, is, is the tech and the replay ruining the game? But I almost think, you know, there's also a dark side to this, right? And you think of the world of, uh, of doping and cheating in sports. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just watch the movie Icarus on, uh, on Netflix and you, you get a flavor of this. I mean, with all of this advancements and, and the need, right, to stay competitive, the high stakes, uh, whether it's Olympics or high, high performance sports at any level, uh, there, there is a, a definite dark side, and you know, going under the radar and, and getting that advantage uh, at, at what cost, right? Um, so there, you know, there's two sides to the coin.
1: Very interesting, very well put. Let's ask Fred Sampson. What do you think, Fred?
4: I'm going to go a little bit different way on this one. I think, um, you know, we've seen this in many, many different contexts. But there's very rarely a case where more data is worse, drives a worse outcome. And what we're seeing right now is we're seeing more and more data come out. We just haven't had a chance as humans to catch up to it, right? And so not only are we thinking about instrumenting players, but there's also programs in place to instrument referees, for example, where they get feedback of their own performance so that they can work on improving it, right? So that they understand, they get better tools as well to do their jobs. so while it may be creating a little bit more friction right now because players and coaches and referees aren't necessarily in fans <laughs> aren't necessarily used to it yet mm-hmm. i think as we as we make that more accessible and more transparent it makes it much much easier and, and eventually much easier for the rest to do their jobs we just the humans have to catch up in this case and i think that should happen uh, very very quickly
1: Thank you very much. And you know what, gentlemen? We are at the Crystal Ball Predictions part of the show right now. I'm circling back around to Nick Smith. Nick, I can give you 60 seconds, see if you can hold to that, uh, shall we call it a, a sports deadline? That's when the inning is over. I don't know I made that up. I need to know, what do you think is going to change about anything or everything we've been talking about today in terms of technology in sports, brands, player attitudes, the business side of sports, fan experiences? Anything you want to talk about, 60 seconds, Nick Smith, let's predict. Go ahead. All right.
3: The shot clock is winding <laughs> down. Well, I, you know, there is a, with, with the, this topic of AI, right, and machine learning and automation, it, in the business world and in sports, I think there's a fundamental shift. And, you know, if you think about the future of sports and tech, it, the, the big change is going to come where it, it's around the ways that we interact with and watch and engage with sports. It's already changing. It's changing in so many ways. And you see so many new sports coming online that were never sports before because mm-hmm. of tech. You think of the world of esports. You think of the world, and I know Fred is, is close to this world. You think of a, a world of drone racing. Uh, this is only the beginning. And uh, you know the games and the sports and the entertainment that we, we engage with and, and do on a, on a day to day basis will dramatically change as the technology shifts with it. And so, I think that's my uh, that's my one take on future of sports and tech.
1: Thank you very much, Fred Sampson. 60 seconds. Go ahead.
3: All
4: right. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to follow up with Nick as well. I think those sports that are going to grow and become more successful, whether they're traditional sports or, or new sports like and my current favorite, drone racing, are sports that will put data and content in the hands of their fans. Right? So it's not just about watching an event anymore, sitting on your couch, eating popcorn. It's really about interacting, understanding the game, figuring out what players are doing, and quite frankly, even making suggestions back to the team. You know, we started this entire conversation by talking about empowerment and, and ownership of these brands and of these properties. Well, now we'll see the ability for teams to have incredible dialogues with their fans, and those those sports and those 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 entertainment types that figure this out will grow, and the ones that don't won't, because that's what people are expecting today. They're expecting that twenty four seven, that deep engagement, but also ownership of the data and understanding of what you know, what the teams and the players are doing. So, you know, lots of exciting stuff ahead and those that embrace it will likely come out on top.
1: Very much. Thank you, Fred. Ryan Summers, sponsor of this series. Obviously, we're very excited to have you. 60 seconds. What do you predict?
2: Yeah. So to touch on what Fred said a few moments ago about how more data isn't a bad thing, we just got to figure out how to catch up to it. Couldn't agree more. And I think I guess my optimistic view, and I'm going to go back to instant replay for a second, mm-hmm. is that we're going to fix these challenges. We're going to fix this human element challenge involved with some of these, um, these some some of these issues. And while I'd hate to one day watch a sport where, <laughs> you know, maybe it's played by robots, um, I wouldn't mind it if robots managed the game. And I wouldn't be su- surprised if we saw AI maybe even removing human referees from the game within the next decade or so. Uh, I think think it's fairly simple where they could analyze some of this video footage from the entire game in real time. Maybe there wouldn't even be a need for instant replay and um, it would just be the way. So that's what I'm kind of excited about.
1: Thank you. We, we did a topic uh, came up on one of my other Game changer shows late last year, Ryan, uh, where the question was, will we look forward at some point to a robotic or an AI CEO of a company soon? And uh, we, we can talk about that. Ryan, I'm going to give you one sentence. What's coming up on your next episode in a couple weeks here on cha- game-changing technology and sports? Give me a preview. Well,
2: I'm going to keep it a surprise on the partner that's included, but it's going to be uh, a really strong Powerful storytelling opportunity where we're going to get to dive in with some of the, um, some of the big guys on the, within the club and have a really good conversation about how we're changing that game.
1: Terrific. Again, welcome Ryan Summers to the Game Changers Radio family. Nick Smith, Fred Sampson, you both rocked it. Thank you very much. Along with Ryan, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio, the business channel, our intrepid engineer who is always good at keeping us on the air, getting us on and keeping us on. It's been a pleasure launching this brand new series. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. I don't care what sport you're doing. Put some kind of a seatbelt on. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Nick Smith at SAP, just like Fred Sampson at SAP, and just like Ryan Summers at SAP. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Play. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Technology in Sports, presented by SAP the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. We wish you a positively game-changing week.